0: Hallelujah. Wow. God is good. Yeah, this, um, There are times when I feel like I, I don't need a microphone. I feel God's given me a loud enough voice to talk without microphones, but I, I, I'm learning um, to be wiser in the way I use my voice and uh, because my voice is a part of what God is doing in my life and in my ministry. But uh, I, I could have just lingered in what we were doing already this morning. Yeah, I, I, I just really could have stayed in that place. I, yeah. I know little about this church in all honesty. I appreciate the comments that Pastor Ben has just made. And I came here by referral by somebody else. And uh, I love Pastor Bruce. He's a dear friend of mine on a personal level. We met something like 13 years ago in Singapore on the 17th floor of an apartment, an apartment building. We shared together my wife and Pastor Bruce uh, for a week. And uh, he was involved in other things and I was involved in other things. But when we had the opportunity to sit together around the table that was in the room, uh, we talked and we shared and we talked and we shared. And I've already um, extended my apologies to Pastor Ben. Uh, One of the gifts in my life is talking (laughs) <laughs> and, and I'm a talker, and, and I love to talk. I, there's something about, you know, I, I just feel that there's a bottomless pit inside me full of words, and, and I have a godly responsibility to give them out from time to time. And uh, it's not only in what I preach, but it's also what I speak to people individually. But uh, to be here this morning is such an honor, and I, I, I tried to check up on your church before I came. You know, as much as you, Pastor, might have checked up on me a little, uh, I checked up on you, and um, I, I didn't see all your faces, but I saw some of your faces on different occasions that have been published on different internet means and things like that. So, But uh, in all honesty, I don't know any of you, uh, other than maybe an appearance from from time to time. So when I come to a church like this, it's, there's a bit of apprehension inside me, because one is, you're all strangers to me when I walk in the door and I'm a stranger to you. And, and then you have to go through this whole process of connecting with people. And just so that those that weren't here yesterday can connect a little bit with me, I'm simply, my name is Alec, Alec Larson. I was born with that name. <laughs> I was, but uh, when I was a little boy, I discovered what my name meant. My name is Alec, A-L-E-X. And um, it's a derivative of Alexander, of course, And my grandfather on my mother's side, his name was Alexander. And so they cut his name in half and gave me half of it. My brother got the full name, but I got half of it. Because he was called Neil Alexander and I'm just called Alec. (laughs) (laughs) But I discovered what my name meant. And when I discovered what my name meant, I, I, I sort of felt like I needed to own it. So I do own it. You know what my name means? You don't, do you? You don't even know what your own name means, but that's another story. But my name means, the real name Alexander means protector of mankind, leader of men. Pretty choice, eh? You know, Alexander the Great one time was walking amongst his army, and Alexander the Great was, he died quite young, he died in his early thirties. But one day when he was in battle situation, he was walking amongst his soldiers And he came to a campfire one night when the battle wasn't on and they were sitting there just gathered around and he walked up to this campfire with a group of soldiers and he heard them talking and he heard one particular soldier talking quite negatively about the battle and the circumstances. And Alexander the Great walked up to the soldier and pointed at him and said, soldier, what's your name? He pointed at him and he said, what's your name? And he said, the soldier said, Alexander. Alexander. And Alexander the Great turned around to the soldier and said, either change your attitude or change your name. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, you're, you're stuck with me. But I, I, Pastor Ben has given me freedom to share this morning. And as I said, I don't know anything about this church. But if I'm to speak something over the whole church by reason of something, by reason of where I feel God has got you. The only way I can describe this church is I've been praying about it over recent weeks and probably more clearly this morning as I was praying. I literally see this church is like, I, I don't call it like you a fruit per se, but I see like something that has been formed over a long period of time and there's nothing about wrong about the where of where you've come from. But it's almost like God says, I'm about to peel back the layers so that you can see things differently. I believe there are layers that God has allowed to be over this church for whatever reason. And it's not like God's been hiding anything from you. It's, it's not that God's intention is to ever hide things. But there were things that you didn't need to know before. But the truth is there are things that you need to know now. And so, therefore, I believe it's not only a collective thing, but it's a, a personal thing. God is wanting to draw back the layers. And, and i titled my message this morning, Getting Beneath the Surface. Getting Beneath the Surface. We all often are very surface people. You know, we live in that comfort zone we call what we're comfortable in. And if you want to stay comfortable and be a Christian, then I suggest to you just be comfortable and be a Christian, but be honest about it. If you, I think God would rather you come to him and say, God, I'm happy where I am and I want to stay here and get to heaven. Rather, God would have you be honest and be honest to say that to him. But I, I for one, and I can only speak for myself, I, for one, I am not satisfied living on the surface. I feel there's somewhere deeper that God wants to take me. And it's not that God is unprepared. God has already prepared my future as he's prepared yours. But the challenge to us is, are we willing to peel back the layers that we're living under to break out into the things that God wants us to break out into? See, today, there are things in my area of ministry that I'm involved in that if you'd asked me 20 or 30 or even 40 years ago, would you ever consider doing that, I would have said definitely no. And there are probably things this morning that you, in your own subconscious way, have said no to. And it's not because you're bad people or I'm a bad person. It's simply that we, we most of us, we are reluctant to change unless we have a good reason to change. We're reluctant to change unless we have a good reason. In other words, give us a good reason and we will change. But if we don't have a good reason, change actually becomes quite a hard process. And even in the life of a church such as your own, I I pastored my last church for 32 years. So I think I can talk from a place of um, some degree of uh, authority in one respect, but not in the sense of presuming. I know that transition and change in the life of any church is not an easy thing. And, and it's, it's something I believe God is positioning his church for at this time as probably never before. I, I've been a Christian, a follower of Christ for over 50 plus years. I'm, I'm not 50, I'm not all 50, I'm actually 79, I'm nearly turning 80, and I'm excited about turning 80 next year. woo I, I, I'm looking forward to that great eight number. That great eight number. The truth is I'm going to wake up on my 80th birthday and I'm going to say what's different. Because the Alec that goes to bed as a 79-year-old is going to be the same Alec that wakes up as an 80-year-old but I'd like to think I'm one year wiser. And and that's the truth of who we are today. Are you wiser today than you were a year ago? Are you are you godly smarter today than last year? See, if you are not changing and transitioning and you're not growing, then what what is the purpose of you existing? There needs to be something that's happening that's bringing us into the newness of what we're meant to be. And I I don't know about you, but I often find the words we use in our Christian language is often very limited. Like you go up to people and say, how are you? And they'll say, oh, I'm great. But you think, now what does great mean? Does, Does great mean better than not great? Or is, is great better than terrible? But what, what does great mean? See, it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but it may mean something to you. Like when people greet me, and some of you people have greeted me, I often say to people, I'm dangerous. When they say, how are you, Pastor Alec, I'll say, I'm dangerous. <laughs> and you might think, well, what a crazy thing to say. Well, I, I came to the scripture, and it says that, you know, this is my perception. When I wake up in the morning, the devil gets scared. Come on. When you wake up in the morning, surely the devil should get scared. See, if, if you're not making a difference in, in godly terms, when you wake up in the morning, why wake up? You might as well stay asleep because there's nothing going to happen that day that's going to be any significance. I, when I wake up, I want to disturb the devil. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I, I, this is I—it's my perception, but when I wake up in the morning, you know what the devil is? Oh, no, he's awake again. <laughs> I, I really think the devil gets trouble when I wake up. And, and he should get trouble when you wake up. And can I even suggest, when this church wakes up, the devil should get scared. When this church wakes up, and I'm not saying you're asleep in the physical, but you know, if many of us, we can become good at being good. And we enter into what I call the survival mode of Christianity. Christianity. See, I, I'm not just a survivor, I'm an explorer. See, I just don't want to maintain, you know, there was an old song, some of the old people would know it, because some of you may be even older than me, but the old song went like this, hold the fort for I am coming. That was an old hymn they used to sing. And I, I believe people sing it with the sort of mentality, hold the fort for I am coming. You know, it's like you, you, you're barely making it, barely surviving. Well, I'm not just barely surviving. I'm living. You know, the Bible says this. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body. Turn to the person beside you and say, is your body alive this morning? Is your body alive this morning? (laughs) You know, I, I just want to share a couple of quick illustrations before I come to the Word. You know, when I first got saved... Like I got saved on a Sunday night and, and my life got transformed. I didn't have a Paul experience with bright lights and shining things or voices from heaven, but my life was radically changed. You know, And, and, and it wasn't changed because of what I was told. It was changed because I had an experience with the God that promises to be God in my life. And so from that moment of getting saved, the, the first thing I felt was absolutely clean for the very first time in my life. If you'd asked me a few minutes before, did I feel dirty? I would not have said I felt dirty. I truly didn't feel dirty. I, I've never been down the, the trail of drugs per se. I, I've never had any drugs of that kind of thing in my life at any time. Please, I'm not judging anybody, but I, I, that was not something I entered into. My, my, my passion before I became a Christian was sport. I was playing sports six days a week. I'd train for four days at different sports, and I'd play over the weekend, two days of the weekend, I'd been, been in sport. So I only had one day where I didn't play sports. So sport was my, in my sense, my religion. So when I became a Christian, my attitude was this. If I can give six days to sport, giving seven days a week to God becomes easy. See, some of you, and I mean it respectfully, some of you struggle to give one day to God that means God's day, it's a Sunday. But you know, the reality is, we're not meant to give God just one day of the week. The truth is, God should have access to our lives 24 7. There shouldn't be a moment of a day where God doesn't have access to you. But see, we relegate God into this God moment on a Sunday morning. We come and we have a glorious time of praise and worship, but, but that leaves us when we walk out the door going home. I used to threaten my church pastor, Ben. I used to threaten my church with this. I would said, one of these Sundays, I'm going to put a TV camera outside the door and video you all leaving church. I'm going to video, and I want to show you the following Sunday. Because I know this for a fact. I said, when you come to church, you all all in happy, clappy people. And you sit there, and you put your hands up, and you yell, and you scream, and you shout, praise God, yay, yeah, yay, yeah, yeah. But when you walk out, it looks like you've been sucking lemon for an hour. <laughs> How you look when you leave here is what's more important. It's not how you look when you come in, it's how you leave. If you want to make a difference in this community, it's not how you come into this building, it's how you go out of this building. I truly believe God wants to get beneath the surface. He wants to take us to a place where we've never been before. He wants to bring us to a place where we, we're willing to let God be God in the fullness of who God is. Listen to what it's... My dad used to have an old saying. You're only scratching the surface. My father was not a good, good man. He, matter of fact, he was a very cruel man and in many respects. Today, if my dad was alive and treating me as he treated me as a child, he possibly would be in jail for child abuse. I mean, when he gave us a hiding as children, which he often did, I, I would go to school with marks on my body for two or three days afterwards. We, we didn't just get a hiding, we got a beating. But that was God's way of dealing. No, sorry, not God, my father's way of dealing with us. He, he, he could never just give us a hiding or a smack. It was always like he, he went over the top. He, loo- he would always lose his temper giving us a hiding. And then if we cried, he gave us another hiding because we were crying. It was a crazy kind of life. But my father taught me many lessons, and one of the lessons he taught me was this term, You're only scratching the surface. And I would like to suggest today that some of you are simply scratching the surface. I've been walking with the Lord for 50 plus years, and I honestly admit to, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. God uses me the way he uses me, but even still I feel like I'm only scratching the surface because there's got to be more to God than what I have. And it creates in me a passion for more but if I'm going to get them all, then I've got to get beneath the surface of what I know and understand and allow God to reveal what he... See, the word scratching the surface means investigating superficially. It means just learning enough to be safe. But God doesn't want you just to learn enough to be safe. He wants you to learn something that will not only transform your life, but transform the lives of those around you. And I suggest to this church, this church... must never come into a place of surviving. You must never think of this church surviving. You must always think in the terms, this church thriving, not surviving. And I believe God wants to bring that kind of attitude. But for that to happen, there's going to have to be some layers peeled back. And it's not a layer of your making or my making, but it's circumstantially layers have come upon us because we, we've been affected by the things around us. And so we put layers upon ourselves to protect ourselves because if we don't protect ourselves, who will? Let me suggest, God can and God will. Come with me to this passage of Scripture, and I'm reading from Proverbs 25. I'm going to come to you in a moment, brother. I haven't ignored my word. Can I ask one simple thing? Pastor... Would you mind just reversing the chair? I, I don't. Would you mind just turning the chair around? I, I, I don't want you to feel like you're facing the audience. This, this is not a chair of judgment, it's a chair of blessing. So I'd rather you face that way than face that way, but that's just me. But let me read this passage and then we'll move from there. This is Proverbs 25. These are more Proverbs from Solomon copied by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. As the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the heart of kings are unsearchable. Remove the dross from the silver and out comes the material for the silversmith. I want to leave this verse with you as a key verse this morning, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search it out, Is the matter of the glory of kings. The Bible tells us we are kings and priests under God. We are kings and priests. And as kings and priests, we have a responsibility. And the Bible says our responsibility is to search out a matter. I ask this question of people, how deep do you want to go in discovering the things of God? How deep do you want to go? I've been on this journey for 53 years and even after being to Bible school for several years, being pastor for over 40 years, I still feel like I'm scratching the surface because there's something about this God that I, I believe in that could not be contained even with all the wisdom and understanding I've accumulated in 50 years. If, if I could contain God within 53 years of understanding, then God becomes very small. God is far bigger than anything you and I could possibly conceive. I mean, we've had a great service this morning, but, you know, in, in the economy of God, I'll be honest, it's, it's just like that much to him. It's not that he disregards it, but it's like this, this, this our moment, our half an hour or three-quarters of an hour in praise and worship, in, in the fullness of time, amounts to nothing. We, we put great value on it, we think, oh wow, wasn't that a wonderful, yes it is wonderful, I'm glad we have these moments, but don't make that the measure of what God deserves. God deserves far more, and, and, if, and even if we gave him all day today, that still would not be enough. God deserves not only today, one hour, or one week, he deserves the fullness of time to be given back to him. But you and I have to learn to live in that understanding that there's something more God requires of us. And again, turn to the person beside you and go, God requires more from you. Hello. God requires more from you. Oh, that's too much of a word for that one this morning. But God requires more. Just wait there, church, for a moment. Good morning, sir. If you're willing, says the Lord, there's nothing out a place that I can put, not put back where it belongs. My brother, the picture I see is like I see, I see like a large box full of all manner of things. And I don't know the circumstances and the why of why. But it's like there's something that's happened. And it's like this box has been tipped out and, and the things that were in the box have been scattered. And, and you're standing there and the box feels somewhat empty. Now, you've got a choice. You can either keep on walking with an empty box or you can say, God, help me to put back in the box the things that are important. And the reason I say that is because in that box, as it was, there were things that were unimportant to God, but they were important to you. But I believe there is a time and a moment of your life where God says, I want you to fill your box again, but this time fill it with things of my choosing. Don't just fill it with anything for the sake of filling it, because if you're doing it for that reason, then you're putting things that will not actually help you, they'll actually hinder you. Because the moment you carry weight that is not yours to carry, it becomes a burden. And God says, nothing that I'll put upon your life is meant to be a burden. It's meant to be a blessing. So because the box has been spilt, God says, don't waste this moment, use it correctly. Say, God, I want my box to be filled, but filled with the right things this time. My brother, God's not judging you. God's not angry with you. But he knows that you've been wearied and tired because of the circumstance, things around you. But God says, I've emptied the box. But now fill it, but fill it with the right things. Ask for my wisdom. Ask for my grace. Ask for my strength. Because nothing I will bring to you will be a burden to you, but it'll be a blessing. God says, I want you to walk freer and faster than you ever walked before. God says, if you try to carry everything again, you'll actually stop yourself achieving what you're meant to achieve. But you ask for God for wisdom, and God says, I will give you what is necessary and what is needed, and you will not get weary, and you will not get tired. I say to you, brother, no more disappointments. No more disappointments. I tell you what, brother, you've you've tried so hard to do it right. And you wonder why you haven't succeeded so often, but God says it's because you're trying to carry things that are not yours to carry anymore. Yes, you've carried them for that season, but that season's finished. It's a new season. So pick up what only God tells you to pick up and carry only what God tells you to carry. You can go. No. Pastor Ben, can you open your bottle up, please? When we, when we realize that there is a journey that we're on, can you open it if you don't mind? Not that I'm too weak, but it's... I'm trusting you to do it. You know, when we, when we realize that there's another depth to go to or another place to go to, I often think of it in the terms of why. I want to share a story. I was laying in my bed this morning, and I, I thought of a story from my own life which I want to bring into my message this morning, which is, well, I think it's relevant. The lady I married and was married to for 52 years... We met when we were quite young. We actually got married. I met her, I was 18 when we met, and she was 15 when we met. We got married, I got married at 21, and she was 18. We were old people. But during the years of courting, I I was working, and she was just finishing off her studies. And she, she lived in another town, about 10 kilometers away from where I lived. But we met through through mutual friends, we met and, and there was something about this young lady that I liked and, and I began to spend time with her and visit her from time to time. I had a little car and I used to drive from my place 10 kilometres to her place and that was a regular routine and I enjoyed doing it. I'd come home from work I'd have a shower and put on some nice clothes and hop in my little car and drive to her place but I never forget one night I came home from work and I did all the things I normally did at my own house and had my shower and changed my clothes and I hopped in my car to go and see her, but when I put the key in the ignition, and rather than starting, the car went You know, the battery was in a terrible state and the car wouldn't start. So I tried a second time and then it wouldn't start, and and I, I really felt disappointed because I wanted to go and spend time with this young lady. So I thought, what can I do? So I made up my mind, this is what I did. I went inside my house again I wasn't living with my parents, I was living with my brother in a a family home, but my parents were living in another house, and um, so technically I was flatting I suppose. I went inside my house and changed my clothes, and when I came out of the house on this occasion I was wearing a t-shirt, a pair of shorts, and some running shoes. And I ran from my house to her house. I ran 10 kilometers. When was the last time you ran 10 kilometers to see her? (laughs) Don't answer me, it could be embarrassing. So I I ran from my house, you know, I I was a fit young man, I was probably only 19 or 20 years of age, I ran from my place to her place, and I came, I remember coming to her house, and her house was in in another town, and her property, the family property was surrounded by a hedge, and I remember coming and standing at the gate, normally I'd park my car outside and go inside and knock on the door, but on this occasion I would run there, so I ran there, but I remember coming outside the gate, outside the hedge, and I must admit, I stayed there for a little while because I, I thought it would be a little bit uncool to go to the door going, <laughs> I, I, I ran to see you. So I, I, I waited a while, got my breath back, and finally I walked up the door and knocked on the door, and she was expecting me. So she came to the door, and she looks at me, and she said, hi, Alec. And I said, hello, Elaine. And she looks over my shoulder, and she said, where's your car? And I said, oh, it's at home. And so she said, how did you get here? And then my chest puffed out and I said, I ran. <laughs> I ran. And, and she said, you, you ran? And I said, yeah, I, I just wanted to come and see you. So I ran to come and see you. And so we had a good time together. We shared and talked together. But there's something I hadn't thought about. See, I had a reason to run there, but I didn't have a reason to run home. <laughs> So I hitchhiked home. I, I thumbed a ride home and I got a ride home. But I share this story from that point of view. See, sometimes we have a reason to do something, but we don't realize the need beyond the need. See, you've come here this morning, and this coming here can meet a need, but you've got to realize that when you leave, you've also got to become responsible for when you go out there. See, coming to church, it, we declare it to be a good thing. I heard somebody say it this morning about coming to church is a good thing. I believe in church. I'm a church person. On a normal Sunday in my, in my town, I go to my own morning church service in the church that I pastored. I'm still a part of the church. Uh, I haven't pastored there for four or five years now, but I still, that's my home church. When I'm in New Zealand, that's the church I go to. But on a Sunday afternoon, I'll go home from church. I'll have my lunch with my children, my son and his wife who live with me. But in the afternoon, I will sit down, and I do not exaggerate. Most Sundays, I will sit down and watch another four or five services in other places. There's a church in Melbourne that I follow. There's a church in Singapore that I follow. There's a church in um, Malaysia that I follow. I, I, I visit these other churches. Sometimes I watch the whole service, the praise, the worship, the preaching. And so. I, and on a Sunday, I can watch up to five services or be involved in five services. I'm not preaching in all of them. I'm only maybe involved in one of them in a direct sense. But I visit all these other. And people say to me, you're crazy. I, I don't perceive myself being crazy. I'm just hungry. Yeah. I'm just hungry for more of God. And if, if, if God is somewhere, then, and I believe God is in somewhere, then I'll want to be there. And I've lived my whole Christian life just like that. But see, to become such a person, there's got to be a willingness to get beneath the surface. See, if you just want enough of God to get to heaven, that's easy. Having just enough of God to get to heaven is easy. The Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're saved. If, if all you want to do is get to heaven, just get saved and you'll get to heaven. But there's something inside me that says just getting saved is not what it's all about. Because Jesus goes beyond salvation. He says, follow me and I'll make you. In other words, there's something that God intends us to become. See, if, if, if you only see yourself as a number in this church this morning, you haven't understood the purpose of God for you. You are not a number in this church. You're not here to, to bring some sense of ego to Pastor Ben. Oh, I've got 25 or 125 or 250. No, you, you are not a number. You're you're an individual who God wants to bring to the fullness of who you're meant to be. But for you to get there, God's got to do some peeling away of all the preconceptions of your understanding. It's, It's not the church's fault. It's your responsibility. What did Joshua say to the children of Israel? He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua didn't stand up and say, it's my choice that you will all become. He said, no, no, you choose. And I suggest strongly to every one of us in this room, from the youngest child to the oldest person, you have a choice to make every day as to how you use that day. So do I. I have to make a choice. I have to choose to say, God, I believe there's more to you than what I have. And I'm not going to stop where I am. I'm going to speak. Keep pursuing what I'm believing for. See, that young lady became my wife. That's why I ran from my city to her city. Because she, she was someone that I wanted to invest myself in. And I didn't ask her to come to me. I went to her. And can I suggest strongly, it's no longer time for God to come to us. It's time for us to go to God. I say to people unashamedly, I will never ask Jesus to come any closer than he's come. If anybody has to move in this present time, it's no longer God, it's you and me. Because in my mind, 2,000 years ago, Christ gave up everything to purchase your freedom. If anybody is in debt this morning, it's not Jesus, it's you and I. And you and I are the ones that need to pursue Him rather than asking Him, Oh, come and find me, God. Please don't pray that kind of prayer. That's so offensive. 2,000 years ago, God loved you enough to send his son to find you. And you're saying, God, you haven't found me yet? What a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus said, I will draw people to my heart and to my life. But you've got to come through those layers of your own preconceptions. You've got to come through those layers of your own misunderstandings. I mean... Did I know God in the fullness of God when I first met him 53 years ago? I knew about him, but I didn't know him. And even today, in the humbleness of my heart, I, I, I just feel like, God, I, I, I still want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to spend more time with you, God. And God, I was willing to run 10 kilometers to meet a lady and get to know her. God, help me to be willing to come more than 10 kilometers to meet you. Again, another story from my life to illustrate this kind of point. I was in India several years ago, and a good few years ago. Can I have another drink, Pastor Ben, please? I was in India. I was there for pastors, conferences, and leaders with other pastors, and we were in a team of people working together. Long story short, the last day I was in India, I was doing a a crusade, a a last of a three-night crusade in this church. About three or four, maybe 500 people in the building. I, the numbers didn't really matter to me other than it mattered to God. And I came to the end of the night and I, and I was weary. I'd been praying for people off and on. We'd been in 12 hour days, preaching from seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, many, many places and traveling in between. And on the last night, I'd preached my heart out, prayed for lots of people, and I was tired and I went and sat on the platform like this, not like this, but on a chair on the platform. And in all intents, I was just hoping, I was just waiting for the ride back to my hotel. I was so tired. I just really want to go home to my hotel, have a rest for the night, catch my plane back to New Zealand the next day. In the middle of that crowd of people, this little Indian pastor, he, he only stood about this tall, comes walking through the crowd and comes up to me and he said, Pastor Alec, Pastor Alec, will you pray for one more? If I was really honest, I would love to say no. But I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know how to say no. If one person needs prayer, I'll stay and pray for them. So he said, I want you to pray for one more person. And So he took me by the hand and led me through all these people. I got to the back of the room, and there was a chair there, and again, I sat down. I'm, I'm not afraid of sitting down if I have to. Like, if, if, you, if you saw me sitting down this morning, don't think I'm being disrespectful. The truth is, I'm standing up now, and you're sitting. <laughs> so, you know, if it's good enough for you to sit while I'm standing, well, then it's good enough for me to sit while you're standing. Yeah. So I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> I wasn't being disrespectful. I, I, that's how I serve God and worship God. But this little man took me to the back of the room, and he went <laughs> off into the crowd of people. And he came back to me a little while later, and he brought three people. He brought a mother and two children. This little Indian mother, the mother was about this tall. She had a daughter that would have been, my mind, maybe a daughter of maybe 11 or 12 years of age, a little child of maybe 7 or 8 years of age. Brings ushers his family into my presence, brings them up to me and says to me in, in English because I can understand it. He said, this is the lady I'd like you to pray for. I don't know why I'm still sitting there. I'm not standing, I'm sitting. And I said to the brother, I said to him, excuse me, pastor, I said, is, is this lady a Christian? So he talks to her in her own language and they dialogued in Hindi language, which I couldn't understand. Came back with the answer and said, no, she's a Hindu. Now you've got to understand this. Here we are in a Christian meeting, this lady's a Hindu, but she's in the meeting with her children. So in my mind, I asked the question, I said, uh, how, how come she's in this meeting? You might think I'm asking lots of questions, but I felt too. And I said, how come she, and some, somebody had rung her. Somebody who'd been in the meeting the night before had rung her and told this lady that there was a man praying for sick people, and, and she needed to come to the meeting. So with that information, I said, well, how far did she come? Again, he talked in her language and came back with an answer and he said, came six hours by bus. This lady had brought herself and her two children six hours by bus to be in the meeting. I'm still sitting there. And again, my brain is still working. I'm human. Maybe I'm a Kiwi, but I'm human. (coughs) Think about that. But I'm sitting there and, and so I asked the next question. I said, what did it cost her to get here? You know, I asked the question again in Hindi and came back with an answer. Six weeks' wages. I asked the question this morning, how much did it cost you to come to church? And how long did it take you to get here? This lady had come six hours by bus, bringing herself and her two daughters, and it cost her six weeks' wages to get there. I didn't see a box charging you to come into this building this morning. You came here for nothing. It cost you little or nothing to come here this morning. But this lady had paid six weeks' wages and traveled six hours to get there. So she's standing in front of me. So I said, well, okay, God, I'm happy to pray. So I said to the man, I said, please tell her one thing. Can I pick up your Bible, Pastor Ben? Oh, okay, the Bible, that's good. (laughs) I got my Bible on my computer now. But I had my Bible with me. I picked up my Bible, and I said to the pastor, please tell this lady I'm not praying to one of the gods of India. I'm praying to the god of this book. That's the only god that I believe can do what needs to be done. You know, in India, they have something like 20,000 gods. So I wasn't praying to one of them. I was praying to the god of this book, the god that I believed in. So I said to the man, I said, okay, does she understand that? Yes, she understood it. So here's a Hindu lady, paid six weeks wages, come six hours in a meeting wanting me to pray. So I turned to the man and said, what's the need? Now I must admit, this is the truth. I'm sitting there on the platform and I thought, I hope it's a headache or, or a sore arm or a sore back. You know, one of those simple things supposedly, you know. I felt I had enough faith for a headache, to heal a headache. Anyway, she turned around to the oldest of the two girls and I don't mean this unkindly. She took hold of the dress of the daughter at the knees and lifted it up off the floor. Please you, only, I can only ask you to believe me. The right leg was perfectly normal and whole, completely like that, just standing in front of me. But the left leg was pointing in the opposite, foot was pointing in the opposite direction. This little girl had been born 12 years before, 11 years before, with a displaced hip. And she had lived her life walking like this. That's how she'd walked for 12 years. And this was the need that the mother wanted me to pray for. As I said, I had enough faith for a headache. And this was bigger than a headache. But I'd made God a promise before I'd left New Zealand. I said, God, when I go to India, I'm not going to pray with my eyes shut. I want to I I see the miracles that you say that can happen. So I told God I'd pray with my eyes open. So I thought, well, I need some help with this. So I called the little pastor that was standing there and brought the lady to me. I said, pastor, will you put your hand on this little girl? I'm going to put my hand, we're going to pray. I do not exaggerate this. The fullness of my prayer went something like this. Lord Jesus, you know I love you. Lord, and I believe your word tells us that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall be made whole. Lord, this morning, or this evening, I should say, in Jesus' name, we lay hands on this little girl and ask for a miracle. Amen. That was the sum total of my prayer. That was the sum total of my prayer. That's all I felt to do and could do. But as I told you, my eyes were open, so I'm looking. I'm looking at these two feet facing in opposite directions. And I have no reason to exaggerate but tell you the truth. These eyes saw that leg begin to turn and begin to turn and begin to turn and begin to turn turn till finally that foot was perfectly beside the other foot. And this, I'm still sitting there, and this big, strong New Zealand boy just began to cry. I began to cry. And you know what I was crying? I was saying, God, I don't want to just see miracles like this in India. I want to see miracles like this in New Zealand and every other place that I go to. God, God, may I never settle for anything less than what you can do. And I've chosen to live like that. Have I seen everybody i prayed for healed? No, I haven't. But I will not stop praying for people. Because it's not about us, it's about him. But we've got to be willing to go beyond the surface. See, if you are satisfied this morning, then I'm saying you're not, you're not hungry enough. You're not thirsty enough. The Bible says, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied. And I'm not satisfied this morning. I believe there's more for God for me and there's more for God for you. But but you and I have to to choose to be hungry and thirsty and stay hungry and thirsty. But often we we got to this attitude, oh, well, we've seen it before. We've heard it before. It's, It's the same as last week. I don't never come to church like that. I always come with an expectancy. I come expecting. This morning when I woke up, and you may not have done it, but I've been praying for you this morning. Even if you haven't prayed for yourself, I've been praying for you. So if, 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 if I can engage in praying for you, then, then it's time for you to engage in praying for yourself and believing for yourself. See, it's, it's not who is up on the platform that's going to make a difference. It's you that will make a difference. You're the only one that can... That lady would not have got a miracle unless she got on a bus and travelled six hours and penned six weeks' wages. She had to invest in what she got. I'm glad I sh- she went home. You can imagine. I can only imagine. I never got any names. I had no reason to collect names. And they didn't need to remember my name. But you imagine what would have happened back in that village when that little girl went home. You imagine that little girl walking around amongst all the friends of the village. What a, what a testimony. Not to me, but to God. And this is what will happen when you when you have an encounter with God. The people out there will see it and they will know it. You won't need to advertise in newspapers and on the radios and television. You and I will be the witnesses that we're meant to be. But we have to get beneath the surface. <laughs> Somebody made a comment to me, I won't tell you who, but... Somebody made a comment this morning, it triggered my mind about another occasion. I was in a church not so long ago, probably about a year ago, in another country. And, and I came out after the service. And I, I stood beside a group of people, I was here engaged in a conversation. And I stood beside another group of people, and I have to be honest, it was a group of ladies having a conversation. And during the course of the conversation, and they were talking loud enough so I could hear, not that they wanted me to hear, but I was hearing it Anyway. And one of them says, um, who was the speaker this morning? They, they were asking, who, who was the speaker? And I'm just standing here. She could have turned around and pointed at me and said, oh, that was the speaker. But she didn't do that. And, and, and the person said, well, what's he like? And this lady went into this little, little dilemma of trying to describe me. Well, he's just like, mum, 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 you know, mum, 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 you know. And she, she really couldn't find a way of expressing to me, who, a person, who, who, what I was like. And, and she, finally she burst out and she said this, He's just like Father Christmas. <laughs> and I thought, how cool is that? You know, if, if you perceive me to be like Father Christmas, I'm happy. Because you know what Father Christmas does? He goes around giving good gifts to good yeah, people. Yeah, oh. <laughs> so if you think like somebody called me a grandpa, well, I feel like a grandpa. But I don't care. Because it's, it's like, I don't want you to discover me, I want you to discover who I carry. Faithful, says the Lord. Faithful in every way. I will not leave anything undone that needs to be done. I will fill in all the gaps and I'll complete all the sentences. God says, it will not be left up to you any longer, but it will be left up to God. God says, I can rearrange the fullness of your life and bring meaning and understanding where it's lacking and where it's needed. God said, I didn't come to confuse you. I come to give you clarity. I come to give you understanding. I say to you respectfully, sir, this chair doesn't define you. You're not defined by this chair. People may define you, but God doesn't define you by this chair. God says, it's not the outward condition of your life that matters. It's the inwardness of your heart. And God says, I've found in your heart a heart that is faithful. And all I'm asking, says the Lord, is that you walk in that faithfulness. Don't make the measure of your relationship with God dependent on this chair, whether you sit in it or don't sit in it. God says that doesn't define who you are. Your heart defines who you are. And when I know your heart is hungry towards me, you will never go dissatisfied. And every gap shall be filled. And every word shall be put where it belongs. What I see, brothers, I see like a manuscript and, and, and in your eyes, there are gaps, and there's gaps, and there's gaps, and there's gaps. It's like, God, I, I don't understand all the missing things. And God says, I'm going to fill in all the missing things. God says, You will have the understanding that your heart desires to have, and you'll have the knowing that you desire to have. Nothing shall be kept from you. All I ask is that your heart stays faithful. God says, You're not defined by this chair. So don't let the words of other people define you. Let God define you. Amen. Bless you. You're asking? Are you asking? Are you believing? Put your hand toward him. Lord Jesus, you're the God of miracles. Amen. You've done it before, and we believe you can do it again. Amen. You know the desires of this heart, Lord, yes. to, to believe in you and trust in you. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would bring correction to every part of his body. Bring strength where strength is needed. Bring health and healing where it is needed. Father, you know him better than we do and even better than he knows himself. Fill in every gap, Lord. May nothing be left undone that needs to be done. I speak health and healing over my brother today. May he have a testimony that honors you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Don't look at your legs. Don't look at your circumstances. Keep your eyes on him. That's where your faithfulness is depended on. See, if you measure yourself by what you feel, you'll always feel robbed. You are not robbed. You are blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> See, when it comes... To, how cool is that? <laughs> My water lady. In Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, there's a verse that says this. Study to show yourself approved under God. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When I went to Bible school back in 1975, I was was a young, I'd only been a Christian about five years, and I went to Bible school. And my church gave me a book. It was a study book. And in the front of the study book, they had this verse written down. I have still got that study book, and this verse still continues to speak to me. Yes, I went to Bible school for two years and I studied. I, I really poured my heart into studying. I graduated after two years of study with an average in all subjects of 88% in all subjects. My best subject was Greek. I got 99%. Don't ask me to talk in Greek today. I couldn't. But, you know, I had to apply myself to learn something. But I, when I came to the end of college, I, I, I was graduating from college. I don't know how Pastor Ben when he finished college, but when I finished college... This is my mind. I thought, I'm looking forward to the day I graduate. I'm going to throw all my study books into the corner and forget about it. You know the feeling, don't you, Pastor Ben? I felt like throwing all my books in the corner. And, and, and I was going to get my certificate and walk out feeling satisfied that I'd done what I failed to do. So I said to God, and I say this respectfully, if you really, if you don't want God's opinion, don't ask for it. Because if you ask for God's opinion, he'll give you an opinion. So I said to God, now I've finished and graduated, what do you want me to do? And he said, keep studying. (laughs) Oh, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I I didn't want to do any more study. I I felt two years of intensive study was enough. But in the next 12 months, I did something like four correspondence courses. I just poured myself in doing what God said to do. And today, I unashamedly say, I would not be in ministry today without the challenge of that from God. I had to learn that, When you start to study, you'll never stop studying. Hello. Was it your wonderful faces that I saw on the screen? Now, it's Shane, isn't it? But apart from knowing your name, Shane, I know nothing of you too. God says your cup will always be full. Your cup will always be full. Even though it seems like other people draw from that cup constantly and you sometimes feel like you're barely enough to even have enough for yourself and you don't feel like you've got much to spare but God says, don't look to your resources, look to his. Mm. God says that cup was never yours to own and possess, it was simply for you to hold and any time you feel like the cup is getting less than what it should be, you're welcome, said the Lord, to bring it back to him and say, fill it again. Yeah. God says you will not live with a half-filled cup and you know need to. But you must be willing to bring it back to God and say, God, fill my cup. Whether you as an individual, you as an individual, or whether you as a couple. God, keep our cup full. We don't want to go around without sufficient to share with others as we're meant to share. God says, keep pouring out and keep pouring out. Because the more you pour, the more you have to pour. And if you ever choose not to pour, then God says, that which you need shall never be yours to have. God says, supply is connected to your giving. The picture I used to encourage you, remember the story of the woman with the oil? She was able to keep pouring the oil as long as there were vessels to be filled. Yeah. When the vessels stopped being available, the oil stopped. You too, the need for you too and what God has called you to do will never stop. You must always keep your cup full. And so even when you minister, and I know you'll know times of great feelings of success in ministry, and that will be the truth of your life. But please, quickly come back to God and say, God, fill that cup again. God, we don't want to try and even do this without a half, with a half-full cup or a three-quarter cup. God, our cup needs to be overflowing. I, I give you a verse and I speak it to the rest of the church. John gave me an understanding. Oh, sorry, Jesus gave me an understanding of John 10.10. 10. Remember the scripture says the thief comes to rob, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I did a study of the word abundant, and I suggest you two do it too. Because the word abundant, in in our context, it means having sufficient, you know, and having enough. That's our understanding of abundance. But the word abundance in the Bible means this, having sufficient for yourself and always some to spare. And God says your cup will always have some to spare. Don't be satisfied with just a cup full for the sake of having a cup full. We can all fill our cups anytime we like, but having them overflow is another matter. God says, keep our cup overflowing. Amen? Keep it overflowing. Good morning. I'll come back to you in a moment. You know, when we when we talk of this thing of having sufficient, and as I spoke to that man and his wife, this is what it's all about. See, you'll never have the resources that you need without your being willing to, to, to inject something into your own life. Think of King David, the wonderful king. That I, I don't agree with what he did by reason of sinning, and that, that was something that we should learn from too, but one thing I love about David, he comes before God and he said, God, Lord, fill me with your word that I would not transgress against you. You know, he, he wanted so much of the word of God in him, there was no room for anything else. And you and I need to have that kind of capacity. God, if, if, if we're struggling with sin, God, let more of the word come that sin will not have a place in my life. See, the Bible says, they that hunger and thirst shall, shall come away satisfied. And God wants to bring his church into a place of satisfaction. And it's, and we, it's the way we prioritize our self. See, people say to me, Pastor Alec, how do you do what you do when you minister as you do? You only see me in this dynamic. This is the only dynamic that you see me in, but you, you don't know what it costs me. And I, I'm not promoting myself above anybody else. I I know what I pay by reason of a price in the privateness of my life. What I do publicly is is only evidential of that which I've done in the privateness of my life. See, if you think you can turn up on church on Sunday and have a relationship with God that's meaningful and purposeful, that will benefit other people, and this is all you're depending on, you're living on one meal a week and you won't survive on one meal a week. You have to learn to feed yourself daily and daily and daily and daily. And, And I'm sorry... I'm an older man now. I'm 80 years of age. Nobody puts food in my mouth. My mother did it when I was a child, put food in my mouth. Did your mother put food in your mouth? But does she put food in your mouth today? No. (laughs) Sometimes. It's when she's eating something better than what you're eating. But no, no. The Bible says when, when I was a child, I expected to be treated like a child. But are you a child still this morning? Are you still waiting for God to spoon feed you? Are you still waiting for things to be done at your convenience? That's what little kids do. Oh, I can't get my own way. Stop it. It's time to grow up. But if you're going to grow up, you've got to get beneath the surface. You've got to be willing to pull back the covers, as it were, and say, God, what is it that's, that, that I'm hiding from? What is it that I'm afraid of? What is it I'm willing to do? I tell you what, my journey with God, I tell you what, it's both... Scary and exciting. That's how I describe it. It's scary in the sense that, that I'm walking in places coming to this church was scary. I'm not because of him. <laughs> but it was it's like this is a whole new ball game, as far as I'm concerned. I've never been in this church. And whether I come again or not in the future, that's between God and Him and other people. But it's like, but I know that when I come here, I can't rely on Alec. I can't, there's nothing of myself I can, even though I've got a history behind me and I can share story after story. Truly I can, but I can't rely on what I've done. What I've done is what I've done. It's what I'm doing and what I should be doing. And can I suggest the same? Hello. Sorry, can I be, excuse you a moment? Hello. Hello. Are you together? Wow. How cool is that? I can make everything understandable. I can make it so you know what you're meant to know. God says, I know the questions you have. It's not that you don't love God. I really believe you love God, both of you. But there's a lot of questions, and it's like, God, we need some answers. And God says there's no such thing as a dumb answer or a dumb question with God. If there's a reason to ask, then God says, be free to ask. God says, I will not keep things hidden from you. If you need to know for whatever reason, God says, ask and he will tell you. He'll make it known to you. Even within your relationship, God says, there's things that are not normal and natural. There are things that you're learning, but God says, don't be afraid to come. And God says, I will give you the wisdom that things will fit and meant to be as they meant to be. God says, I'm not wanting you to walk in a place of confusion. I want you to walk in a place of freedom. I say respectfully to both of you, If what you think you've got now is good, I promise you it can be better. But it's not going to be better based upon physicalness of things. Because sometimes we think, oh, well, if I do this and she does this and I do it's going to be better. No, I'm sorry. Yes, there are benefits in doing things physically, but it's more what you do spiritually. God says, let me come into your marriage and be the God of your marriage. That you can become the husband and the father that you're meant to be according to the word of God. And you can become the mother and the wife that you're meant to be according to the word of God. Because when you're doing it according to what you think it should be, you'll always have the sense of unsatisfaction. But when you do it according to God's pattern, it'll fit right and it'll feel right. God says, I'll pull down every wall of division that's been between you. I'll take away all the uncertainty of not knowing things. And I'll bring you the wisdom and the knowledge that you need to have to be both the wife and the husband, the woman and the man that you're meant to be you want your children to grow up in a good place, yeah. then you two get into a better place and let God bring you there and you'll be better parents as this child deserves. Amen? Yeah. Be that kind of people. But ask your questions. Say, God, I need help. Give me understanding and God will give you understanding. Amen? Yeah. This is the awesomeness of our God. I'll stop here because I'll, otherwise I'll feel like I'm being rude. <laughs> hmm. Be not afraid, says the Lord. If I describe a picture to you, girl, it's like I see you come, and it's like there's a plank going out into nowhere. I can't see the end of the plank, but it's, there's obviously an end to it somewhere, but I can't see it. But it's like you've been walking on this plank, and it's like you, you know you can't go back. God says there's nothing to go back for, but there's much to go forward for. But the truth is, as you walk forward, the further you go forward, the more uncertain it becomes, and the naturalness of your thinking It's like, God, this is scary, If I keep going here, God, where am I going? And what's going to happen when I get there? God says, don't worry about your future. I've got your future all in hand. But the promise of God to you today, God says, I will never let you fall. I'll never let you fall. I'll never let you get hurt or wounded or damaged in any way. God says, oh, yes, there's a plank to walk, but it's not walking to nowhere, it's walking to somewhere. But it's not a place of your own choosing, it's a place of God's choosing. And God says, i walk walked there myself so I know where to go, and I know how to get you there successfully. And all you have to do is follow me. Yeah. Keep your eyes on him. Don't look at your circumstances, girl. Your circumstances, I see some scary stuff on either side of you. It's like if you went that way, it could damage your life and hurt your life. You go that way, it could damage and hurt your life. But God says, don't look at your circumstances. Look at me. Because the path I'm leading you on is one of my choosing and not of your own. Don't be afraid, says the Lord. You can trust me. I don't know your life, sister, but God says, men have hurt you. But men will never hurt you again. God says, I will protect you. And I'll be to you the friend that you need me to be. As long as you look at me and walk with me, says the Lord, you shall be successful in achieving what you're meant to succeed. Amen? But don't be afraid. Go. It's as simple as this, you know, when we're listening to God. We don't have to struggle and strive to find words from God. God gives words because he loves us so much. This is what I find in my Bible in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. This is what God says in his word. I gave my heart to seek and search out the wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This is King Solomon, the wisest man, the perceivably the wisest man in the world. And yet he says to you and me, I gave my heart to seek and search out. So if you think you're, you're wiser than Solomon and smarter than Solomon, then, then I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry. None of us are wiser than Solomon. None of us are smarter than Solomon. But he said, I gave myself to seek and search out for wisdom concerning all things done under heaven. Do I understand what I do fully? No, I don't. I promise you, I do not understand fully. But I'm not going to stop doing it. Because my trust is not what I do or how I do it. My trust is in the one who asked me to do it. Did you hear that? My trust is in the one who's asked me to do it. So when Jesus says, follow him, and he will make you, he, he, all you've got to do is follow him, just like I said to that little lady, or I call her a little because she's smaller than me. But, you know, many of us, we, we think we've got a better opinion about things than God has. You know, we, our, our, you know the most dangerous word in our vocabulary? I would do it, but. I would do this, but. I would do this, but. I want to tell you, God wants to get rid of the buts out of the church. You know, we're not meant to be pew sitters. We're not even meant to be pew warmers. We're meant to be disciples. That means we are people that are engaged in the business of the kingdom. And from the youngest child here to the oldest person here, I make no apology. Be a disciple. Be a person that follows the example of Christ and be what Christ wants you to be. See, people say, oh, it's all right for you to talk like that, Pastor Alec. You're, you're as old as you are, and you've lived your life, and you've done this. You know, you know, there are things that I want to do. Yes, I appreciate that. There are things that I'd like to do. But think of the words of Jesus when he said this in the garden. Father, if there's another way, let it, let it happen another way. But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. When you start to live like that, knowing the will of God has to take priority It helps you just realise where you how small we are and how small is our thinking. Hello. God says there's nothing that's broken that he cannot fix. There's nothing that's damaged that he cannot repair. God says, don't measure what can happen by what you think could be. God says, I'm a God of the impossible. And even when it seems to be beyond your comprehension or understanding, God says it is not beyond his. God says I've got a way where there is no way. I can make things happen that could never happen. I can even change the very circumstances of the world for the sake of my will and my purpose. And God says there will be nothing I could not and do for you. But it comes down to are you willing to trust me to do it my way? God said, if you want to do it your way, God says, I take my hands off and let you do it your way. But you must understand, when you do it your way, you must accept your own conclusion and your own results. But if you put it in God's hands, then he becomes responsible for the conclusion and the results. God says his way is better, but it's still your choice. But you must never say again, it's impossible. Never say it's impossible, girl. You need some miracles, and I know you do around you. Believe for those miracles. Nothing God says cannot happen. If God says it can, it can, I promise you. So you hang on to promises of God, eh? Good girl. Good girl. Hello, sir. You sat in the wrong place this morning. (laughs) There's no place I cannot reach. There's no place he cannot touch. Only that you would choose not to let him. Even to the hurtest place within your life, God says, I can still reach it and I can still touch it. God says, I'm not asking you to bury things to hide them. Rather, I'm asking you to bring them and lay them in my hands. For I can heal that which could not be healed by any other means. I can restore that which needs to be restored and make it as it should be. God says, I did not come to confuse you. I came to bring you understanding and to bring you clarity. I'm not the God of somebody else's God. I am wanting to be your God. And it's only when you allow me to come and sit on the throne of your heart that I can occupy the place that was intended for me. Because no one else can sit on that throne and do what I can do. But only you can put me there. But if you choose not to, that would be your choice. And you will suffer the consequences. But if you choose to let me rule and reign as I want to, Then everything that your heart desires shall become yours to experience and yours to enjoy. God says, I didn't come to burden you. I came to bless you. I came to show you a way that's far greater than you've ever seen before. My brother, I say this to honor you. The God that you heard about as a little boy, and I know you heard about God as a little boy many, many years ago. That God hasn't changed. If anyone's changed in the last whatever years, it's been you and it's been me. And God says, get back to being that child that you were before. I have not changed. God says, discover me again and trust me again like you did as a child. And I'll show myself to be real today as I was real back then. God says, I didn't come to confuse you. I came to bring you clarity, to bring you understanding. Amen. Bless you, my brother. I, I, I don't growl at you. God's not growling, but get back to being that little boy that loved Jesus as a little boy. I just see you. you could believe God for anything way back then. I know you could. Get back to being that boy. Not in the, as a sense of your physicalness, but in the spiritualness. God, bring me back to simple faith, trusting and believing in you. Get back to that reality, my brother. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Amen. See, unless we're willing to peel back the layers of our life, we'll never experience what God wants us to experience. You know... I began to look up these two words in in my Bible, I don't know what pastor would do, but these two words, seek and search, I I ran, listening, are you listening, I I ran 10 kilometers for the girl that I love, I ran 10 kilometers for the girl that I love, I ran 10 kilometers for the girl that I love, don't tell me you love her until you've done 10 kilometers, no, no, I'm teasing. (laughs) I don't care what this woman asks of you. If you love her, you'll do it. Not because she's perfect, not because she's right, but you tell me you love her. Love takes you to a place that you'll never go, normally and naturally. You have to peel back your own preservial layers, you know. I'm the man and she should be. No, no, I'm sorry, that's the lie of the devil. If she's your bride and your wife, then you've got to become what you're meant to be. Amen? It's not for the future, it's for the now. For the now if you, if you see him running past your house on a pair of shorts, you'll, you'll know he's practicing, which is a, you'll know he's practicing. But that's what the word "seek" and search means. it means to, to pursue something, to, to chase it with a sense of a passion. I ask myself today, God, may I never lose my passion for you? You know, so are you, I'm sorry, but you've lost your passion. You've lost that something that the get up and go that would get, make you get up and go. You know, it's like you're waiting for something and God says, don't wait, do. Don't wait, do. Don't wait, do. Some of you, I'm sorry, it's like you're waiting at a bus stop for the next bus. And God says, the bus has already left. Catch it up. I, I say to young people, and I, I'd say it not to you because you're not young, but i say to young people like you. <laughs> if you want my and you better start running because I'm not going to stop and pass it to you. You better catch me up to take it. If you want my baton, young lady, you better run and start running to catch it. If you want my and sir, you better start running because I'm not going to stop and pass it to you. I'm not saying this unkindly. It wasn't easy for me. I'm not going to make it easy for you. I will help you as much as I can, but I'm not going to do it for you, and that man's job is not to do it for you. You've got to do things for yourself. Mm. (laughs) Can I separate you two? Yeah. It's all right. You're happy, happy, happy. That's all right. I'm just a, I'm an eye contact person. God says, I will never be a stranger unless you make me one. I'll never be a stranger unless you make me one. God says, I can only come as close as you let me come. If you choose to hold me there, God says, that's as far as I can come. If you choose to let me come here, I will come. If you choose to let me come, I will come. For God said, it's not up to him to determine how close he comes. It's up to you to determine how close he comes. And God says, when you make room for him, he will make room for you. God says, you will not be kept from your dreams or from your desires. So God says, do not put a barrier between you and him. God say, I'm not afraid to let you come closer, Lord. And if need be, come closer and come closer. God says it is up to you to determine how close God comes. And when you're willing to say, God, I surrender everything and invite you to come, God says, I will come and take control. And I will be all that you want me to be. I I don't say this unkindly in front of anybody else, but I say it to you. God loves you, Fleur. God loves you with a passion. But he can't force you into anything and you can't force me. But he says, trust him and let him come the fullness of the journey. Because even if you're only keeping an inch away from your heart, it's still an inch too far. God says, I need to come and occupy the fullness of your heart. Not only just for the sake of yourself, but for the sake of your family. God says, let me be all that I promise to be. And the only one that's stopping it is you. And God says, it's time to surrender every part and let God be the God that he promises to be. Good young man. You're not going to be robbed, sir. You're not going to be robbed. You're not going to be robbed. Pastor Ben, I I know you made these people a promise. It's one minute to half past 11. Is that right, one minute to half past 11? What time do you normally finish? Three o'clock this afternoon. Don't tempt me. The last time I was in a church in Sydney, I I went to church at 9.30 in the morning and I came home at half past 11 at night. So if you won't wear me out, I'll wear you out. <laughs> can, uh, can I minister this man before I pass back to you? Hello, sir. Can I ask you a question in front of all these people? I'm asking it sincerely and genuinely. What made you choose to come and sit here? Yeah. Let me tell you, sir, your miracle didn't start here. It started back when you left your chair. The moment you made a shift to move your chair and come here, that's when your miracle started. God says, nothing will be kept from you that is yours to have and yours to enjoy. And it's not about enjoyment and the ha-ha, funny-funny. It's not about that kind of enjoyment, but it's knowing that place where, God, I'm where I'm meant to be, and I'm doing what I'm meant to do. God says, from this day, you will never feel out of place again. You'll ever, always have a place to belong, and I always have a place to feel like you belong. God says, I didn't come to exclude you. I came to include you. And when you move from your seat, sir, and I promise you, when you move from your seat, God says, that's when your miracle began. And you need, I mean it, sir, you need some miracles. I, I, I want to back you up in your life. And this is how God speaks to me about things. Between the age that you are today, and I, I'm not asking your age publicly, but... Between this moment of your life and when you were born, between then and now, there were times when you could have died. I know you could have died at least once, maybe twice, between then and now, through various reasons, whether it's accidents or or illness or sickness or something, there were things that could have effectively stopped your life, but God says, I've kept your life for a reason and for a purpose, and it's your joy, says the Lord, It's, it's your joy to discover the purpose of God as it's meant to be for the days that are coming. And even this step today is a step in the right direction. God says, if you'll keep pursuing me with that same attitude, God says you will not walk in dissatisfaction, but you'll walk in blessing and you'll walk in the favor of God. Brother, your miracle started, and now you've got to just keep walking and trusting God for that miracle to be unfolded before you. Nothing can be kept from you, I promise you. Your life's going to be changed from this day on. Your life has a purpose and has a meaning. Amen? Get on and enjoy it. Amen. I don't know the circumstances, but God says, I will restore to him things that were taken from you. It's almost like I see you've lived your life and circumstances of your life, whether it's been promotion that should have been rightfully yours, it was kept from you. I see other things where things were kept from you for whatever reason and you felt like you were robbed for whatever reason. God says, I can restore that which is yours to have and yours to enjoy. God says, I'll bring back to you the lost things and the hidden things, but you will not walk in disappointment. Amen? Go and enjoy it. Go and enjoy it. Today, let me close with this before I give the microphone. I'm happy to stay and pray for people, and that's something I know I can do. I leave this message to you today. Are you willing to let God peel back the layers again? Are you willing to say to God, God, help me not to be afraid to let you peel back the layers of my life? See, when God peels back the layers, sometimes what you, is revealed is not very nice because you learn about yourself. I'm not scared to learn about myself. If there's something wrong in Alec, I want to know about it. Think of what King David said. Search me, O God. Try the reins of my heart. See if there's anything in me that's not right. I ask yourself, all of you, this question. When was the last time you asked God to search your heart? I'm not talking about 10 years ago. I'm not talking about 20 years. I'm talking about today. Have you asked God to search your heart today? Because if there's one thing in your life that hinders God, it's your, your willingness to let God search your heart as he wants to. But only God can search your heart that's available to him. I have to make my heart available to God. Before I came to this pulpit this morning, I was sitting in my hotel room. I didn't feel alone. I knew God was with me. And I said, God, search me. God, don't let there be anything in Alec today that would stop me being effective for you. I don't want anything to rob anyone of anything because of my lack within myself. So I say today, Let God peel back the layers. I have to ask, Pastor Ben, can I? Hello. Hello. G'day. Well. Yeah. Amazing stuff, hey? You're feeling it already, aren't you? Mm? That's how real it is. See, it's not even words that you need this morning. It's just to know that God cares. And God says, I truly care for you. I care not only about you and the physicalness of your life. I care about you and your family and those that you love. God says, it's not a prayer that you prayed has gone unheard. There's not a prayer that's gone unheard. God says, his ear will never be turned away from you, neither will his eye. God said, from the moment you ask all those years ago, God says, I've stepped up and I've been holding that which you consider to be precious. And he promised you today, he will never lay it down. As long as you consider it precious, God says, I will hold it until you tell me to put it down. But if you tell me to put it down, I'll put it down because you've put it down. But if you choose not to, God says, I will hold it. And give you the strength to keep holding it too. The picture comes to mind as I see you both. That I'm seeing the mountain. Remember when, when Mo- Moses went to the top of the mountain. And Aaron and Hur stood still on either side. And Moses was holding the baton up. And they were winning the battle. But when his hand began to sink. They began to lose. And so the two men stood alongside him. And lifted up his arm till the end of the day. And he won a battle. And God says I'm holding up your arms. In the day of battle. Yes you've held them up yourself. And God says I understand that. Know it. But God says, I know the weariness of time. I know the weariness of seasons. But God says, You're not alone. I'm holding up your hands today. And I'm reminding you that I am faithful to that which I'm faithful. When I say something, God says, I will keep my word and keep my promise. If it's precious to you, it's precious to Him. But God loves you too. Your prayers are being heard and your prayers are being answered. Amen. Wow. Lord, I just speak over this beautiful couple. I speak your grace and your love. Just continue to overflow them. May their house become like a magnet to people that need to know you. That when they walk in the door of this home, they will find something of the peace of God that they could never find anywhere else. There will be such joy and love in this house, Lord, that people's lives will be transformed and changed. I speak healing over this family, over this life. May they know all that they're meant to know and understand what they need to understand. I speak blessing over this family. Not only those here, Lord, but others around them. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name. Hmm. I I say this to you, sister. This is how it unfolds to me. God says, don't be anxious about physical things. God says, I'm the God of the body as much as the brain and the heart and the spirit. God says, bring your concerns about your body to him and he will do what he only can do. God says, I can heal that which even the doctors say can't be healed. I can change what can't be changed. God says it will not be the hand of man that determines your days. It will be the hand of God. And God says, look at me. I am the great physician, and I'm the one that can keep and do what only I can do. So don't be anxious, my sister, over physical things. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ben.